0: Well, it's certainly good to be with you once again and to open up God's Word. We're going to be looking at the prophet Hosea. Turn in your Bibles to Hosea chapter 14, if you will. First four verses here together, uh, we will be dealing with the topic of backsliding. And backsliding, as the Bible describes it, uh, is uh, when we we turn from the way that we are supposed to be going. God calls us in love to move toward our God, to walk toward our God. And backsliding speaks of the tendency, the proclivity in God's people to turn around and to go seeking out other idols, other sources to be our gods and to worship them. And God lovingly and graciously in these few verses here is going to address our hearts and he's going to call us back from the sinful lifestyle. Don't turn away from me. God wants to have a a, a vibrant relationship with his people. He says, walk towards me. That is the direction God's people ought to head. It is the direction we are called. Learning more and more of the grace and love of our God. So we're going to read the first four verses. But before we do, would you bow your heads with me and ask God's blessing on his word. Lord, we thank you that we have such a savior. For as we have just confessed in our song, Lord, we are prone to wander, prone to go astray. And so we pray, Lord, that you would lovingly call us back in your word, that you would address our hearts, Lord, and that you would teach us how to abandon all sin, how to throw off these ensnarements and entanglements, and to run the race with joy towards the crown of glory that awaits your people. And so we pray, Lord that you would show yourself as a marvelous Savior and that your people would be totally consumed with the grace and love and mercy of their King. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Hosea 14, beginning in verse 1 here together. Return, O Israel, return to the Lord your God, for you have stumbled because of your iniquity. Take with you words and return to the Lord. Say to him, take away all iniquity and accept what is good. And we will pay with bulls the vows of our lips. Assyria shall not save us. We will not ride on horses and we will say no more. Our God to the work of our hands. In you, God, in you, the orphan finds mercy. And here's the words of our God Attached to this confession that he offers to his people. I will heal their apostasy. Other translations have, I will heal their backsliding." I will love them freely. For my anger has turned away from them. Beautiful words of our God. I wonder, brothers and sisters, if you have ever been desperate for a cure. Perhaps there are some among us who are in this state, you have some type of sickness, have some type of ailment, and you are seeking a cure. Sickness has this way, right, of getting our attention, on focusing on our attention, on getting a cure. When I was back in Canada over the Christmas break, I saw these long lines of people that were awaiting various places to get a vaccine shot. it's because these people were desperate for a cure. They're desperate not to come down with this sickness. They understood that health is a priority. And my point is not to, not to get your opinion on the vaccine. My point is to illustrate how people have an understanding that we need health. We need to be a healthy people. When we're sick, we recognize that we need a cure. And so God in this, in this passage is addressing his people and he's saying they have a sickness. They have a sickness in their heart, which is a proclivity to backslide. And so God says, you need a cure. You need help from this sickness. This is well stated. You can have all the wealth. You can have all the possessions. You can have all the toys. But if you do not have your health, then you really do not have anything at all because your health gives you the enjoyment of these blessings. And there's many millionaires and billionaires that are willing to sacrifice thousands of dollars to gain back their health. We need help. We need a cure. And God is diagnosing a spiritual condition, a spiritual sickness, which is not lighter. It is heavier. This is a deeper problem. This is why I call this sermon No Greater Cure because it is implying there is no greater disease. The number one thing in your life is your relationship with your maker. Your relationship with the God who made you. And so God says, I see this sickness in my people. They tend to, to, to go after the idols. They, they, they tend to fall into these sins. And God says, don't stay there. This is not where you belong. And he offers himself as the physician, the doctor, to cure our souls. It's a beautiful picture. And so we're going to look in three ways at our text and explore how God is healing our souls. In the first place, we'll see the ugly diagnosis of our backsliding hearts. In the second place, we'll see the extravagant healing of God's mercies. And finally, we will see how this is all a profound demonstration of God's love for us. The book of Hosea is built upon a drastic image that is portrayed in the life of the prophet of Hosea. Do you remember what God called Hosea today? God in Hosea chapter 1 tells the prophet to go take for himself an adulterous wife. Now why would God give his prophet such a scandalous task? Why would God call the prophet to do such a difficult thing? Well, the Lord tells us what he is doing. The Lord tells us that he is building an analogy. He is building a parallel to his own relationship with the people of Israel. And so we read in Hosea chapter 3 that God says, Go love a woman who is loved by another man and is an adulteress, even as the Lord loves the children of Israel. You see the connection. Just as we would watch Hosea go out and pursue his wife, Gomer, the adulterous woman he married, just as he would go out and pursue her and call on her and, and beg her to come back, So the Lord was acting with the people of Israel. He found them in bed with the world. He found them wandering off, and God would pursue them just like Hosea would pursue Gomorrah. And God would call them, and He would say, Return, come back. Don't stay in your sin. I don't know what brings you here this morning, where you're coming from, what the past week looked like, what the past month looked like, what the past year looked like. But perhaps you can hear the loving voice of your husband calling out to you this afternoon. My daughter, my child, come back. Maybe you found yourself in some situation you never imagined yourself to get into. Entangled in some snare you never thought you would be ensnared in. I hope you can hear the loving voice of your Savior say, Don't remain there, my son, my daughter, my child. This is no place for you. Come back. Return, come to me. I have so much more to offer. You see, this relationship between God and His people is built upon the historical resemblance of how Israel treated the Lord. You remember at Mount Sinai when God entered into a covenant with His people. This covenantal language is a picture of marital union. When God entered into that covenant, as Moses was going up the mountain and he was writing the laws, where was Israel? You find in Exodus chapter 20 that Israel is at the bottom of the mountain worshiping a golden calf. And so the picture here is that just as Hosea must have been heartbroken, absolutely uh, torn apart to see his wife, Treating their relationship in this way. Detrimental to their relationship, their marital bond. So it is with God, with the nation of Israel. Every time they worshipped the golden calves, every time they they took these idols from the nations and, 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 and took away their allegiance from God to these worthless idols, it was breaking God's heart. And God says, don't continue on down this path. It's a bitter path to follow. One commentator says, God took Israel under his wing, and there he loved Israel. And he called the people by the familiar, my son. However, Israel then departed from God. And the more he called after them, the farther they went from him. And the people fell into great sin, and thus broke the covenant God had so graciously made with them. It's a tragic report. But that is exactly how Hosea describes The relationship God had with his people. You turn back just a few chapters to Hosea chapter 4. You'll notice the sad diagnosis. God says, my people Israel shall eat, but not be satisfied. They shall play the whore, but not multiply. Because they have forsaken the Lord to cherish whoredom, wine, and new wine, which take away the understanding. My people inquire of a piece of wood. And their walking staff gives them oracles. For a spirit of whoredom has led them astray. And they have left their God to play the whore. It is a tragic and ugly diagnosis of the heart of Israel. But sadly, this is a diagnosis of our own hearts. You see, God entered into a covenant relationship with us. He mercifully entered into this loving relationship out of His own initiative. And we too are called, just like Israel was, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. How often, believer, do you not find that your love is, is turned away from your first love, from God, and you find that the world soon comes knocking at your door begging you to come away with them. The world is a poor lover in our own hearts is showing this proclivity to follow after the world's suitors. It is an ugly diagnosis. And God would say to Israel, you need to return. You need to come back. The exile Israel is for this very reason, because of the spiritual condition of your heart. And that's why our text begins in Hosea 14 by saying, you have stumbled, Israel. You have stumbled. You have fallen because of your iniquity. So the Lord says, return. Don't stay there. God seeks out His people. What a loving husband we have. God seeks out His people. And He extends this offer. Would you return to Me? What a loving Savior we have. And that's where we find Our second point, the extravagant healing of God's mercies. You know, there's this dilemma that we have here. What is God going to do, right? We see that God is a covenantal God. He enters into this bond with his people. But Israel has been faithless. Israel has breached the covenant. They have broken the covenant. So the question becomes, what is God going to do? He could have rightfully ended it there. But Hosea gives us hope. To say that is not God's response. Is God going to say to Israel, I've had enough with you? Is God going to say to Israel, Israel, you've had your chance. I'm moving on to another nation. Or is God saying, I'm done with humanity. I'm no longer going to enter into a covenant with humanity. Hosea gives you hope to believe this is not God's response. God tells Hosea to go find your wife. Go after your wife. Pursue your wife. Because this is what God does with His people. He pursues them. God is a God who is faithful. He cannot deny Himself. And sometimes God will use a severe mercy. Israel was dealing with a severe mercy. Jeremiah 2 verse 19 says that your apostasy, Israel, will reprove you. Speaking of the exile, the exile is going to reprove you, Israel. Know and see that it is evil and bitter for you to forsake the Lord your God. I say this is a severe mercy because God does not want His people to be content and just to dwell in their sin and no longer care to come back to the Lord. You know, sometimes God will, in the same way, allow us to face the bitter consequences of sin in order to tell us this is not the answer. Stop going to the world. Come to me. It's amazing, isn't it? After so many sermons, after devotions, after conferences, how quickly the world comes a knocking. And it offers itself like, like our entertainment is more amusing. Our, our debauchery is more fun. It's not. It's not. And sometimes the Lord will allow us to taste the bitterness of our, our sin's consequences so we know This is is not going to satisfy us. This is ruining us. And so then we turn to the Lord. It's like the prodigal son, right? It's not until he spent all he had that he wanted to return home. And he remembered that his father was lavish and abundant. So the Lord tells Israel to come home like the prodigal son's father. He is standing over the borders of his home. He has his arms stretched out wide, and he's saying, Return, my son, my daughter. Return. Come back. Don't stay there. And God will teach Israel how they can do this. So beautiful. Verse 2, what does God say? God says to Israel, Take with you words and return to the Lord. God stoops so low here. He's such a God. He's so compassionate. He teaches Israel what they can say to come back to Him. You know, sometimes when we we do something dumb, when we we make a mistake in our relationship, where we hurt our spouse, or we hurt our father or or mother, or we hurt a friend, we at times don't even know what to say. We, 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 We can just become caught up in, and how stupid our action was. and We don't even know how to fix the situation. How can we change this relationship? And God stoops down and He says, Israel, I don't want you to think like that. I don't want you to keep walking off. Here's words you can take with you. Here's what you can say. And He, and he puts right next at the tail at the end of this confession... God asserts this promise that I will heal their apostasy. So he's telling them, you come to me with this confession, these words, then I will heal your apostasy. I will bring you back in my arms. That's how loving our God is. Now this phrase, take words, is not saying, here Israel, uh, repeat this chant. Uh, Say these words and you're going to unlock the key in heaven and everything's going to be a okay." No, what this speaks of, take words and say, Take this confession on your lips. Say it in a genuine manner. Israel, take these words and say this. Confess what you have done, and I will take you back. Take with you words and return to the Lord. Say to him, take away all iniquity except what is good. You see that God teaches us here how to confess, how to repent, how to return to him. Take away all iniquity. This is a plea for forgiveness. And all forgiveness, or sorry, all relational strain, the healing for that begins with forgiveness. Forgiveness is the antidote. It is the cure. It is what allows us to come back to God. Lord, would you take away our iniquity? Don't view us according to our iniquity. Don't view us according to our shame. Don't view us according to all the idols that we've watched. Or sorry, all the idols that we've served. Would you just view us according to your mercy and your steadfast love? right? You, you read in Scripture of, of, of how our sin can often shape how we think God is going to view us. For instance, the prodigal son, when he came home, what did he think his father would look at him as? Oh, he's going he's to just perhaps allow me to be a servant. But the prodigal son's father was not like that. No, you're my son. I'm, I'm throwing a feast for my son. And you can imagine how Gomer would have felt when her husband came and found her in the sex slave industry of the day. You can imagine how she would have thought, my husband's never going to look at me the same way. He's going to look at me according to my sin, according to how badly I've messed up. And sometimes we can have the same view that that God is going to look at us according to our sins, according to how bad We have have broken this relationship with our God. And Hosea gives us so much hope to say that is not how God responds. God chooses to love us freely, to see us as his own son or daughter. It's a beautiful response of our Lord, but we see this general confession leads into a specific confession of sin. In verse 3, there's three things that Israel confesses. They say, Assyria shall not save us. And we will not ride on horses. Now this phrase, ride on horses, is speaking of Egypt, the Egyptian power of the day. And so when you study the book of Hosea, you'll find that Israel kept uh, flip-flopping between these two empire powers. And the reason was, sometimes Assyria seemed like they were a more powerful nation. So then the nation of Israel say, would say, we're with Assyria, that's our ally, we're teaming up with that empire. But then at other times, Egypt would seem like they're a bit more powerful, so they would say, Oh, never mind, not, not Assyria, we're with Egypt. Egypt is the stronger nation. That's our ally. And God is saying, You need to repent of this. Why? Because your help, Israel, your saving, does not come from the nations. Your saving comes from your God. God alone is your protection. And maybe you need to hear that right now. You know, we see how God has so humbled the leaders of our world in the last few years and how, you know, America and Canada, um, our hope does not rely, brothers, on the presidential office. Our hope relies that there is a king enthroned in heaven. That's where he sits. And so God says that in the book of Hebrews that he He shakes the shakeable, and so that people see what is unshakable. And we see that he's doing this with the nations, that he's showing people your your hope, your security is not in Assyria, it's not in Egypt, it's not in Canada, it's not in the States. Your hope is in heaven. That is where we need to look. That is where our security lies. And Israel confesses one more thing. They say, and we will say no more, end of verse 3, we will say no more, our God, to the work of our hands. As we have just noted, Israel had this proclivity to make idols. They they had an idol factory as Calvin puts it. that They were constantly making idols with their own hands and then getting idols from the gods of the other nations and including it in their own worship. And we have the same heart, brothers and sisters, to make idols of this world. And God teaches us to be specific about our confession. Now why is that? Is it because God is unaware of The sin that we have committed? No, God knows all things. I think God is teaching Israel here how he's working in our hearts. You see, when we specifically confess a sin, it shows, for one, that we have a genuine heart, that we want to change in this area. But it also reminds us, it labels for us, that this is a false hope, that this cannot help us. So when we specifically confess our sins of You know, falling into sexual temptation or falling into alcoholic addiction or falling into these different problems when we can specifically confess that. You see how God is showing us these are empty promises. It's like when you you have a sickness and you go out and you seek a cure and you grab this cure and you take it back and you take it, but it does nothing for you. God says you should label that a false medicine. You should tell yourself, this does not help. It's an empty well. It is not going to do me any good. And so when we confess our sins, we see how God is healing us, it's reminding us, this is not my source of satisfaction. This is not my source of joy. So that we turn to God and we say, You alone can fill that void. And that is why I need you, Lord, to fill this source of emptiness within me. It teaches us to turn to the Lord. And the more we confess our sin, the more we walk down this path, God says, this is healing us. It's taking away this tendency, this apostasy, this proneness this to turn back to these old sources. It's healing our apostasy. And you've got to love how God, Israel has not even made this confession. But God says, you confess these words, verse 4, I will heal their I will heal their backsliding. He tells Israel, if you come to me and genuinely confess your sins, I am going to heal your heart. Not you, but I promise you I can do. I am the God who can heal your heart. Your answer has never been in yourself. Your answer and cure can only be found in God. And Calvin notes on this verse that God can heal the most desperate sinfulness. Isn't it exactly what we need to hear? Because sometimes when we find ourselves entangled in sins that we never thought we would ever get into, it's so easy for us to think we've messed up too many times. There's no way that God is still going to love a sinner like me. There's no way that His grace could still provide for someone like me. And so Jose Hosea gives you so much hope to say that, it, that God is not just leaving you, abandoning you. But he's there in the mess and he offers his help. He says, you come to me, you confess, you return, return, and I will heal your heart. What a beautiful savior we have. You know, Hosea, Hosea knew when he married Gomer, he knew that she had an adulterous heart, that it was in her nature. What is God showing us there? I believe God is showing us that When he entered into a covenant relationship with us, he understood, dear believer, that you were a sinner. That you had a sinful proclivity, a proclivity to return to your sins. And God is not minimizing sin here. He's not making light of sin. But he's also teaching you that he's not thrown off and completely shocked about the state of his people. You know, when he entered into a covenant, he knew you were a sinner in heart. He knew you had a proclivity to sin. And so he is showing us here that he doesn't just throw us off, but he comes near. He comes near. He says, "Come back to me." John says that if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus, Christ, the righteous. You see what God does? He says, "I don't want you to remain in your sin. What I want you to do is confess." so that our relationship can heal, it can be restored. This is the hope we have. We have no righteousness in ourselves. It is all in Christ Jesus our Lord. So I want to consider in the last place how this is a profound demonstration of the love of God for us. Notice one of the appeals made in this prayer is that God was a God who took care of the orphans. It's an interesting note, isn't it? End of verse 3. In you, the orphan finds mercy. Perhaps you look at that verse and you say, what does orphans have to do with Israel being received by God? Israel was taking into account that from the very inception of the nation, from the very beginning, God was a God who looked after the most overlooked in society. God was a God who took notice of those who were orphans. Who everyone else just bypassed. And God had care and compassion for them. You'll find Exodus 20, Mosaic covenant. God enters into a covenant with his people. Exodus 22, God tells his people, You shall not mistreat any widow or fatherless child. If you do mistreat them and they cry out to me, I will surely hear their cries. And you can find it all throughout the Psalms. God is a defender of the widows. God is the God who is the father of the fatherless. He is the one who takes care of the orphans. Now why does Israel appeal to this? Because they recognize. You know, these gods that we serve, they cannot do so much as lift a finger. They could not help us in any way. But the God we serve, is such a, He's a living God. And He sees those who are needy and vulnerable and cannot help themselves. And he makes it his priority to help them. And so they recognize that here we are. We have been caught in this sin. We have wandered far. We have broken our bonds, our covenant with our God. And they're saying we're helpless. We're destitute. We're naked and ashamed. But if God is the God who can help the orphan, he is one who can help us who are helpless in ourselves. The orphan finds mercy in you so we can be sure, Lord, that you can Give us mercy too. That's the beauty of God's appeal to us. And this magnifies His grace. God says, I will heal their iniquity. I will heal their apostasy, sorry. I will love them freely. Let those words wash over you. I will love them freely. You know, so much of our forgiveness has strings attached to it. You know, I'll, I'll, I'll forgive you, but um, you owe me. I'll forgive you, but I'm going to be angry for the next week. I will forgive you, but you ever do something like that again, and I'm bringing up everything you've ever done. Right? So much of our forgiveness has these terms and conditions that we set in our minds. God's forgiveness is not so. And thanks be to God, He does not forgive like us. God tells Israel, You come to me with confession. I'm going to lavish you with this love that is free. I'm not going to look at you according to your sin. I don't have terms and conditions attached to it. I'm going to love you freely. Remember, Israel, I didn't choose you because you were such a mighty nation. Remember, Israel, I did not choose you because of what you could give me. I chose you because of my free, sovereign love. And it is because of my free, sovereign love that you have a basis to be assured that this love is willing to extend to you in the midst of your sin, in the mess of your sin. This is the love of God for us. He loves us freely. You know, so much of our love is so fickle. It's here one day, gone tomorrow. Not the love of Jesus Christ, who is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. He pursues us with this everlasting love. This is where you need to find your basis, believer. That God chose you before the foundation of the world. God chose you when you were dead in your sin. God did not choose you when you're all beautiful and well put together. God chose you even in your sin. And so you can be assured that even when you find yourselves in sin again and you're distraught about that, that that is the reason. You can get back up again. Wow, how my God loves me. How Gomer must have been floored to see her husband coming to her door. Hosea, what are you doing here? And she probably thought, My my husband's here to accuse me, to tell him how much he's he's hurt, I've hurt him. No, that is not why Hosea was there. Hosea was there to take back his wife. Return with me, Gomer. And you can just imagine gomer 's heart must have erupted with 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 joy and thankfulness. What kind of husband do I have that he still loves me in the midst of my messed up sin? You see the beauty of god 's love for you. It is not love like we often see here on earth. It is a divine love. It is the love of God himself. You can imagine. As Hosea was going to these dark streets and alleyways and corners, how the rumors and the gossip would have spread. You know, this is this is no place for a prophet of God. What what is Hosea doing in these regions? Someone comes up to Hosea and says, Hosea, what are you doing here? And Hosea responds, I'm looking for my wife. Wow. As you make your way through Scripture, you see there's this paradox that's seemingly impossible to solve. How is it that you have a God that is holy, 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 before whom the angels are crying out about His perfection and all of His attributes and all of His glory? How is it that this God is going to enter into relationship with sinners like you and like me? And the answer is that God would have to send His own Son On a similar rescue mission as that of Hosea. Sending him into the dark streets and corners and alleyways of our world. To rescue for himself a bride. And the Bible teaches that God so loved the world. That he sent his son into the world. And he would pay with his own blood. By his blood he has ransomed a bride. And dear believer it is this blood that has bought you. That will be the same blood that will heal you. From your sin, sick, your your sick sinfulness, the Lord is able to do it by His great love for you. You see, the love of God is more expansive than the universe. It is higher than the heavens. It is deeper than the seas. It is stronger than death itself. For nothing can separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. So when you falter, when you stumble, when you find yourself in places you know you should not be, remind yourselves of how extraordinary this love of God is. He will pick you up from your feet. When you confess your sin and you come to Him, He has open arms. I'm not going to look at you as an adulterous wife. I'm going to look at you as my wife. My wife. The one I love and I chose to love for Rest there. Find your security there, dear believer. God does not want you to stay in your sin. Come back to Him. Enjoy His love. Amen? Amen. Father, we thank You so much that You care so deeply. Lord, we often feel like we've just messed up too many times. And we thank You that You would send Your Son